Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. On this episode of the Private Practice Success Stories podcast, I'm going to introduce you to Elizabeth Morrison. She's a speech-language pathologist in private practice in Northern Arizona. She co-owns her private practice with two other SLPs, and they have a whole team of SLPs, SLPAs, and recently occupational therapists doing school contracts, having telepractice contracts, and also starting a brick-and-mortar practice in an area that is completely underserved in Northern Arizona. Elizabeth is also a mom and she's getting her SLPD at Northwestern University, which she talks about doing that too. So I cannot wait to introduce you to Elizabeth Morrison. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. All right, so before we begin, could you please share your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? I'm Elizabeth Morrison. I live in Flagstaff, Arizona, and the name of my practice is Dynamic Interventions of Arizona. Fantastic. I am so excited about this interview, and I'm excited to get to know you learn about your private practice and the people that you're serving in your community. But before we do that, could you please share what your early days as a speech pathologist were like? Well, I graduated with my bachelor's and I went into public school setting and I worked as an SLPA. Mm. So that was a little interesting. And I applied to a relatively new graduate program at Northern Arizona University here in Flagstaff. And it was a summers only program. And I was accepted. I think I was the second cohort of that program. And so to be in that program, then as it is now, you had to be working as an SLPA full time during the school year. And then you took courses during the summer and then evening courses. I haven't heard of that. It's a phenomenal program. I'm so happy that I went through it, and I'm happy to support other SLPAs now through my practice who are going through it. So the CF that I'm supervising right now is a graduate of that program, and she was an SLPA in my practice, 
for five years while she went through the program. So it's phenomenal. It really creates another entry point into our profession for those individuals who need to work and maybe support a family and then still go to grad school. So I think the program is phenomenal. And so I went through that program and then graduated with my master's and went to work at a private practice. I spent my CF in a private practice. And then I was recruited to work on a grant program through the Arizona Department of Education as soon as I finished my CF. And I spent three years working on the grant program. I was an assistive technology trainer for Northern Arizona, which was terribly exciting and fun. And I loved that. And then as all grants do, it ended. And I went back into private practice for a couple of years. Did you go back to the same one you were at before? No, a different one, a different private practice here in Flagstaff. And then started my private practice in 2008. Fantastic. You had worked in other private practices. Mm-hmm. Did that inspire you? Like either things that they did or perhaps also things that they didn't do? I really loved. So when I worked in private practice as a CF, I was an employee. And when I went into the second private practice, I was an independent contractor. And I didn't know anything about being an independent contractor at that time. And I ended up loving it. I loved the freedom. I loved the flexibility. I loved being in charge of my schedule and when I worked and how much I worked. I really loved that aspect of working for that private practice. So that really inspired me to set up my private practice the way that I did. That's fantastic. Yeah, once you get that taste of freedom, yes. it's really hard <laughs> to go back, right? It's really hard to go back. I've thought about it time and time again, if I could ever go back to a standard employee-employer type relationship, I'm still not there yet. I'm not saying I won't ever do it again because never say never, but I can't see it for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, I think once you get a handle of your own schedule and get into the kind of life where you get to really choose your own destiny, you then can make choices about what you do, right? So I think that it's very smart to say, you know, I want to be open-ended because, you know, should something come along that is some sort of fantastic opportunity, and it may be in some sort of employee-employer relationship, you certainly don't want to close that off if it's a great opportunity for you. Exactly. But I think that that's one of the things that's great about what we can do is to create and then choose our own opportunities as they come along. Absolutely. When you were first getting started in your own private practice, what did it look like? So I co-own my practice there with two other SLPs who are phenomenal. So it's the three of us that make up the practice. In the beginning, we really had this is going to sound terrible, but we had no real plan. We, all we wanted to do was create a practice that would generate enough work for the three of us. Our number one goal was to have enough work doing the work that we wanted to do to put food on our table, to, to provide for our families. That was all that we had planned. We were very narrow in our, <laughs> in our scope of what we wanted to do. And so we had a lot of contacts between the three of us. We'd all been working in Northern Arizona for a long time. And we had a lot of contacts in Northern Arizona. And so through those contacts, we were able to 
reach out and acquire a couple of school district contracts. And we also applied for a contract through the Arizona Department of Economic Security to be a qualified vendor for their developmental disabilities program. So we did those things. And within a couple of months, we had enough work for the three of us. And we were happy. We were like, great, mission accomplished. We've done what we set out to do. And now we're just going to go and be our little worker bees. And that was kind of it. But within about six or seven months, word started to get out. And districts started contacting us. And Families who knew other families started talking about, oh, we have this amazing therapist and, oh, you should, you know, see them. And so within about six or seven months, we really found ourselves in a situation where we had more work knocking at our door than the three of us could supply. So we had this supply and demand issue where the demand for work was high and there was only three of us. And so we realized oh no, <laughs> we have to hire people. Yeah. We never planned to do that. <laughs> what does that even look like and what are we going to do? And so we picked up the phone and called some friends, some SLP friends. And we said, do you want some work? And they said, sure. <laughs> so all of a sudden we had three staff and they were working contracts for us. and. The rest was history. It just kept snowballing. Um, That's incredible. So you had this this vision, right? So you may not have had a plan, but you certainly had a vision, <laughs> right? It sounds like not that long you had achieved that vision. Once word gets out, that's the thing that people don't really realize is that, you know, you put all this energy into building your practice. And then at some point, you know, if you do a good job and the community really likes you and patients start telling other patients or clients or whoever and school districts start talking and that kind of thing, that's when you can kind of blow up. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what happened to you guys. So then you, you went from, you know, the three of you, which I want to hear more about how your partnership works um, in a little bit. But so you've got the three of you, then you brought on three independent contractors. And then what happened next? It just kept snowballing. We kept getting more and more and more work. It really just through word of mouth, it just kept snowballing. And so we just had to keep hiring more and more people. One of the things that I've been doing for about the past 15 years is I'm a clinical educator for the CSD program at Northern Arizona University. And so I have a regular onslaught of graduate students that are coming through and I'm, I'm educating them in the field. And so a couple of them re started reaching out to me after they graduated and said, hey, do you have any work? And so we would, we hired some CFs and we supervised them and that was all new too. And then just through all of our contacts and then our SLP friends would tell of their SLP friends, Hey, we work for this great company. They need more SLPs. Why don't you reach out to them? Just kept snowballing. And now we have 18 staff. Oh yeah. Fantastic. I know. <laughs> Is it all speech or do you have other disciplines too? It had been all speech for a number of years, and then we hired a school psychologist. So we've had her on board for several years now, and she's amazing. She's wonderful. And then we had an OT in the very beginning. I had known her from my grant project that I worked on, but then she moved out of town, and so we didn't work with her anymore. 
And then just recently, I just hired a CODA yesterday and I've hired two OTs in the past month. So now we're suddenly becoming a lot more multidisciplinary, which is amazing. That's fantastic. So what client population do you guys serve? As I mentioned, we have a a vendor contract through the Arizona Department of Economic Security. So we provide services to individuals with developmental disabilities from ages three until whenever, through adult. And then we also have a number of school district contracts, so public schools and charter schools throughout Northern Arizona. So that's our primary population. And then we're also starting to get into, we do um, insurance billing. We have had in the past, it's been really limited, but a little bit of private pay, not very much. This is not necessarily an area that supports a lot of private pay, just due to the socioeconomic standing. We have had, and we, we do have now a little bit of private pay. That's good. I've always heard for people listening, one of the trainings I have in the Grow Your Private Practice course is on getting school contracts. Oh, yeah. The person who does it, she, her name is Chanel Lada, and she lives in the Big Sky area of Montana, which is a little bit more rural and also doesn't have a big private pay base. So that's one of the ways that she built her practice. And it sounds like that's a way that you've built yours. So for people listening who don't live in areas that they think can really support private pay, listen to what we're talking about and think about whether school contracts or becoming vendors for different state associations might be a great way to start and have that consistent income based on that. Yes, it's phenomenal. We also do a little bit of teletherapy. Northern Arizona is incredibly rural. And so we do a little bit of teletherapy for some incredibly rural school districts here in Northern Arizona. That's been something new that we've just sort of undertaken in the past uh, about three years. And so tell me about what is your role in the practice now? It's evolved. In the beginning, myself and my two business partners were doing everything. We were doing the billing. We were doing the invoicing. We were doing the payroll. We were doing the books. We were writing the contracts. We were doing everything. And that went on for about five years. And then we finally got to a point where it was too big. It was too much for us to be able to manage on our own. And so we hired, first, it was just a part-time billing specialist. And then her role has grown significantly over the past five years. And she's probably almost full-time now. And then we have another part-time office assistant who does some of the bookkeeping. So that's, you know, where we are now. The three of us still do a lot of the work in terms of managing the contracts, managing the authorizations, and doing a large portion of the sort of back office stuff. But having a full-time and a part-time office person and billing specialist helps significantly. Nice. And have you found between yourself and your two business partners that there are certain things that each of you do well that maybe others don't do well? Yes. So we learned to work off of our strengths very early on. And so one of my business partners is, has a head for figures. She's really good at math she has always done our payroll, Mm -hmm. the money side of things. She's our CFO, if you will. And then my other business partner is really good at doing authorizations. And she is the one who issues authorizations to staff 
and she manages the third-party liability stuff. And then I end up doing a lot of the human resources stuff. I do all of the interviewing and hiring and writing contracts for school districts as well. So, and responding to RFPs. We all three respond to RFPs depending on how large it is. We kind of will collaborate on those, but a lot of times we'll just sort of decide like, oh, who's going to write this one and who's going to write that one? (laughs) We definitely have divided and conquered with a lot of the tasks. Well, and that makes a lot of sense too. And especially with three of you, right? So, you know, the more people you have, there can be either overlap or you guys can really kind of figure out what are all of our natural strengths. And I think that's really important. Something that you said is that you all work on your strengths yep. and then you've gotten to a point where you have figured out how to hire out the rest, right? Because while you could be doing those things and you all did do those things for a number of years, you don't have to be the one doing those things. And arguably you shouldn't be the one doing some of those, those lower level tasks they're not necessarily lower level tasks. They have to be done. Yeah. But they don't have to be done by you. Right. Billing became so big and so arduous. There was no way. And I was the one who did billing. All of the insurance billing, all of the state billing, and all of the school invoices. I was the one who did all of that. And it just became way too much. I was waking up at four in the morning. My daughter was an infant and I was waking up at four in the morning so that I could work on billing for three or four hours before she woke up every day. It just, it became way too much. And so we finally decided this is not sustainable. We can't continue to do this. We're going to burn out. And so that's when we made the decision. We have to hire somebody best decision we made. (laughs) That's great. Something else you mentioned is um, working with SLPAs. Mm -hmm. So how does that work within your practice? So here in Arizona, we have a pretty great system for SLPAs. So here at Northern Arizona University, we have an SLPA program. It's an undergraduate program. So they graduate with a bachelor's degree and then they are able to take that and become licensed by our, our, the Arizona Department of Health Services. So they are our licensing entity. And so they are licensed SLPAs with a bachelor's degree. It's really phenomenal. We have a structure for supervision. It's all very regimented and it's worked out phenomenally. We have very rural school districts with very high caseloads. And so to be able to place an SLP in a school district and their caseload might be upwards of 60. But to also be able to place an SLPA with them to help sort of mitigate the time that they spend in the workload, um, to share the workload has been really phenomenal. That's great. That sounds like a really nice partnership and a great way for you to help support your SLPs while helping SLPAs have the supervision that they need and like a job. Yeah, absolutely. Most of our SLPAs go through the master's program at NAU, the summers only program. So we support them through that program and then they can graduate with their master's and become SLPs. I think it's a really phenomenal sort of little pipeline program that we have working here. Well, and it's nice for you as the owners, and you mentioned that you do most of the interviewing and hiring, be able to get to know some of these people, maybe either as graduate students or whatever, so that they may not be realizing it, but they may be kind of interviewing all along. Or, <laughs> they are, don't tell them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also work with graduate students, so I know that sometimes <laughs> they don't really think about that. Any time that you're 
you know, in a professional presence, right? You should be thinking about kind of building your brand and just being a professional because it's a small little SLP world out there. And I you tell them that all the time. I tell them that all the time. I said, this is a very small little SLP community. And so always being very mindful of your presence and what you're putting out there. For sure. What does the future hold for your practice? A year ago, I was accepted into the Northwestern University SLPD program. And to my shock and surprise, that program has been life-changing for me. It has taught me everything that I didn't know I needed to know. And it's a unique program in that it really focuses on business, leadership, teaching and learning. I can't say enough wonderful things about the program. And through that program, I have learned that I need to step out of my little shell and get out from underneath my little rock. And it was funny, it's funny you mentioned personal branding. That's something that we've just been studying recently is the importance of developing your personal brand, establishing a personal brand, establishing a presence. One of the things that we have to do for a class for a final project is uh, our online portfolio, your website, your, (laughs) your LinkedIn, your Facebook, maybe your podcast, your blog, all of that. So just developing all of that. So one of the things that this, that the Northwestern SLPD program has really shown me is that I need to step up into a leadership role. And so I have really taken the lessons that I've learned, the information that I've been given, and I'm looking to turn it into taking leadership roles. I would like to start in our state organization. Join your state organization, everybody. Uh, (laughs) They need your money. (laughs) Looking at doing more advocacy for the profession But in terms of my private practice, continuing to grow the private practice, last summer, we established our first brick and mortar clinic. We opened up our first brick and mortar clinic in Mojave County, which is part of Northern Arizona. It's in the Western part of Northern Arizona. Mojave County is designated as a healthcare provider shortage area, and it's also a medically underserved area. I've been working on and off in Mojave County for over 12 years, 13 years. And I have known for as long as I've been working there that there is a significant need for therapy services in that part of our state. And so opening up the clinic there was a dream that we had had for at least five years. Finally came to fruition last summer. And we have a full-time SLP, a full-time SLPA, I just hired an OT and I just hired a CODA for the clinic. So I am so excited. I never thought I could be so excited uh, to have a little clinic baby. And (laughs) and to be able to serve that community, right? I mean, an underserved community in your area. I mean, that's what I think most people's dreams are. Yeah. To be able to provide really good care for those who are going without. They've not had therapy services in that area for at least decades. It's been an amazing process to get going out there. And it sounds like one that is obviously necessary, but is is also providing you and your business partners and probably your whole staff and everybody with such good feelings of really like helping out 
and helping serve your greater community. And again, that's why a lot of us get into this, right? We see a net, uh, a void in the market and we have like a niche that needs to be served and we find a way to plug that hole and have it be both, you know, rewarding to our hearts, but to also bring in dollars Mm -hmm. in order to be able to continue to give even more. Right. Right. And I would not have been able to start up that clinic. We would not have been able to start up that clinic if I had not been through the program at Northwestern, because it really gave me the confidence and the knowledge that I needed to go in to negotiate for that space. We're sharing a building with one of the regional medical centers, the hospital there. And so to go in and negotiate for that space and know what we needed to do to get that up and running, I could not have done that if I hadn't been in this program. Starting this clinic, definitely a result of me being in this program and having the business acumen to do that. How did you have to change yourself to make that work? Make the clinic work or make going back to school work? (laughs) Who did you have to become to make this happen? Uh, I had to have a tremendous amount of bravery. I had to become a lot more brave than I'd ever had to be before. A lot more brave and a lot more vulnerable. To make all of that work, I had to trust myself and trust the process and have an absolute belief that it was going to work out. If I just kept moving forward and doing the right things, it was going to work out. And it did. Our first week that we were open in the clinic, we had over 20 patient appointments in the first week that we were open. I couldn't believe it. That is such a tribute. You know, in the beginning, remember how you said in the beginning that you guys didn't have a plan? Right. right? You had a vision, but you didn't have a plan. (laughs) I'm sure in your wildest dreams, you could never have thought that this could have been part of not only your journey, but your legacy. Exactly. How cool that, you know, through a series of events that either you were aware of or not aware of, the stars aligned to have this happen for you, your practice, and the people of Northern Arizona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels amazing. And to look back on the past 11 years and realize that every decision that we made has led us to this point right now, it really does, it just feels incredible. Well, and it should. So congratulations (laughs) for, for having that all work. And you also mentioned like you have a family, like you're not just doing this, right? You're balancing your family and everything on top of this. How do you make that work? Sometimes I don't know. And it's funny, some of the members of my cohort who are at Northwestern, who are amazing, have said, we really don't know how you do this. (laughs) We don't know how you do all of this. And some days I don't know either. There are a lot of days it feels like all I do is work. I wake up at 530 in the morning and I go to bed at 830 at night. And every single minute within my day is accounted for. I will say I have no social life. (laughs) None at all. (laughs) I anticipate that will remedy itself once I am graduated, hopefully in March 2020. I'm really looking forward to a social life and a nap. But until then, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. 
I practice clinically. I work three or four days a week practicing. I work in a charter school and I do uh, home health. So I'm not just uh, sitting around. (laughs) Well, but never underestimate what you can do, right? And how you can do what needs to be done in order to make the whole thing work. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people online have asked me how just other SLPs across the nation have said, have wanted to talk to me about being in the SLPD program at Northwestern. And I've actually talked to several people on the phone about it. And I always say to them, if I can do it, you can do it. I really promise you, if I can have a family, if I can own a business, if I can work more than full time and go to school full time, (laughs) I'm pretty sure anybody can do it. Well, this has been great. Before we end, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to be able to share with our listeners? You know, one of the things that I've learned, and really I've only learned this in the past year, probably, and I learned this through one of the courses that I took in my program, was about streamlining your processes in your business. This was not something that I even knew existed or or had even ever considered. And so in one of our courses, we learned a lot about Lean Six Sigma, process mapping, eliminating waste in your processes, and really making everything streamlined and efficient. And so as a result of that course, I realized how much time I was wasting, how much time I was spending, spinning my wheels and redoing work that I had already done. And so what I did was I created a lot of different checklists. I'm sort of a checklist person. And so if I have a checklist that I can systematically move through that tells me the steps of everything that I need to do for a particular process, that really works for me. And so what I did was I created a lot of checklists to align with processes in the business. And so one of the major things was the whole onboarding process. So I do the majority of the HR thing. So I interview and I hire and then, and then all of the onboarding, which you never think is going to be a lot of work, but it is. And so I ended up creating checklist for onboarding my staff. And so oh, that has saved me so much time because now I don't have to think, did I send them this form? Did I get this form back? Did I send them that signature page? And so now I, I just, I have my checklist and I go through it and I've hired five people in the past two months and having just something as simple as an onboarding checklist for each of those new hires has been a lifesaver. So just look at your processes in your business and try to figure out what is not running as efficiently as you would like it to run and then see how you can improve upon that process in any way to eliminate the waste in the system and to, to just be a lot more efficient so that you're not wasting your time. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not redoing things that you've already done. One of the things that, that SLPs talk about is not wanting to reinvent the wheel. Uh-huh. And yet we're really good at it. <laughs> right? Yes. We're really good at reinventing the wheel. So y'all, what she's saying is that we do not need to reinvent wheels of processes in our business that we do over and over again. If you're going to do something more than once, if you're going to 
check insurance, if you're going to hire people, if you're going to discharge clients, all of these things that we do constantly should have some sort of a process. And another thing that's along those lines is batching things. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing similar work, you're going to, you want to do it back to back. You want to spend a chunk of time doing similar work instead of like pinballing from this to this, to this, to that, because that's not efficient either. Right. Right now I'm obviously recording a podcast Mm -hmm. and when we hang up, I'm going to record two more podcasts tonight. Right. So when you're listening to this, it's going to feel like it was over several weeks. This is me doing what I'm telling you to do, which is make things time efficient for yourself. And also we have standard operating procedures for what we do with these podcasts. Right. And it took me an embarrassingly long time (laughs) to start doing that. But now that I do it, it has made all the difference and it will make all of the difference for you and your business, no matter what stage of business you're in. We're both shaking our heads on this. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Fantastic. So this has been so insight for me and for our listeners in many ways, right? You're the first person I think that's talked about SLPAs. You're also one of the first people who has talked about doing a program, you know, any kind of a program that's really helped leadership and just business development and how much it's helped you. And I think that's really, really helpful. And, and to have started this clinic in Northern Arizona for these people who desperately need it, I think is just such a tribute to you and your hard work. And yes, I do hope you can have a social life after March. <laughs> and a nap. A very yeah. long nap. <laughs> you definitely deserve it. You have been working so hard for everyone. And I hope that you can be able to play hard pretty soon. Pretty soon. March 2020. March 2020. <laughs> well, right now it's November 2019. So <laughs> only a couple months left. Oh, you final can countdown. It. You can do it. Well, thank you so much for being on this interview and sharing your journey and your lessons and the things that you've been working on. And I wish you all of the success in the world for you personally and certainly for your business and for the people who are benefiting from your services. Thank you so much, Jenna. This has been so much fun. Well, we'll be in touch. Thank you. I told you that was going to be an inspirational episode. How amazing is Elizabeth Morrison? From juggling all of the things she's doing, running a business, being a mom, getting her SLPD, she's really an amazing person. And it's so wonderful that she was able to take the time out to have an interview with us. So if this was inspiring to you, if you're thinking, wow, I really want to do just like that. I want to be able to serve people in my community who need help. I want to be able to balance being a mom with having a private practice. And yeah, maybe I even want to do some extra education, get my doctorate and do some other things to increase my clinical skills. Then what I want you to do is to log on and watch a free training where I'm going to teach you everything you need to know to start a private practice. You can log on to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar. And I go through the five phases of private practice from how to get started And what some of the mistakes are are things that you want to avoid when you're getting started. So please go on to startyourprivatepractice.com backslash webinar and you will get access to that. In the meantime, I cannot wait to see what Elizabeth Morrison does and keep in touch with her because she's doing amazing things and you can too. Take care. 
Now that you've listened to the episode, I want to invite you to a free training. Do you have a business background? Most SLPs who go into private practice don't. You went to grad school, not business school. But here you are trying to start or grow a private practice. The good news is business skills can be learned and I want to help you make solid decisions on how to start and grow your private practice so you can serve your community and build a legacy while doing therapy on your own terms and your own time and yes, make more money. I want to invite you to my free training specifically to help SLPs get the background information you need to know in order to be successful. There are two tracks, the start track and the grow track, because the needs of beginners and growth level private practitioners are very different. The trainings are short but thorough and can be consumed and put into action quickly. I want to teach you how to think, act, and behave like the private practitioner you are meant to be so that you can step into the vision you have for your private practice and your life. And the best part, these trainings are completely free. To register right now, simply visit independentclinician.com. Click start or grow and we can get started right now. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.